Adam Crowley Show. I've never felt so alive until now. On ESPN Pittsburgh and the iHeartRadio app. Aretha Franklin is dead. The Queen of Soul. Elvis died on this day. Babe Ruth died on this day. It's Brian LaMartina's birthday, and we ain't letting any of that bring us down. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call, or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Tell your kids, tell your wife, we're doing radio up in here. It's FBomber73 on Twitter for Brian LaMartina. 45 years young, baby. Woo! Yeah! And it's Button Pusher 970 for Shirtless Tom. I know Aretha Franklin is dead, and I know that's sad, and it is sad. And I know that Elvis died a long time ago, and Babe Ruth died a long time ago, but do we really got to do the thing where we say, what an awful day August 16 is? Because all these people died on the same day. It's coincidence. And guess what? All y'all listening to this show, every last one of you, every single person, one day will die. And there's a chance that you'll die on August 16th. And if you do, no one's going to care. Do you want that? Do you want that? No. Then let's stop saying that August 16th is a day that will live in infamy. Coincidence. Billions upon billions of people have died or will die, and some of them are going to overlap. There's only 365 days in a year. What a weird thing to get triggered about. What a weird thing to upset me. But it bothers you too, Tom. I'm right there on the same page as you. It makes no sense to me why we're putting so much merit into the fact that these three people died on the same day. Remember how many people died in 2017 that were famous? And And everybody was like, oh my god, every famous person ever is about to die. They died. And then they said, I just can't wait for 2017 to end, as if that was going to stop the dying. It doesn't. Shouldn't we be celebrating the people that are alive on August 16th? I think we should. Not the people that have died. We should be celebrating people like Brian. We went to walk the earth on August 16th. To Riley's poorhouse in Carnegie. With Brian, and he threw a clot to his lung and passed out, and I thought he died. And yet, months later, he's here on his birthday. That deserves yes. applause. Yes. Uh, enough of the Yes, these people died. Yeah, I know they died. We all will. But he lived. Brian LaMartina. The boy who lived. Steelers play tonight. Truncated show, going from 4 o'clock until 6. Jacked up about the lineup, though. Got Matt Williamson, who I'll be doing post-game with following tonight's game. He'll be at 4.20. Fired up about that. We got John Ledger. He just started a new draft website. It's awesome, but he's doing a bunch of evaluation of players throughout the National Football League. He'll join us at 5.20. He also had a pretty well-worded rant on Twitter.com about the DJ Durkin stuff at the University of Maryland, and I want to get into that a little bit later on in the program. It's mostly football on today's show. 
At 440, I'll tell you all the things you need to look out for in tonight's preseason game number two. Preseason game number one's fun because you've waited so long for football. We all collectively orgasm. It's ball, baby. Here we go. Preseason game number three is the dress rehearsal. Preseason game number four is irrelevant, but there are reasons to be excited for tonight's game. We'll get to that coming up in a little bit. First, do we really need to ask the question whether or not we like the Archer trade after he's made three starts? Yesterday I said Archer needs to be better, but the Pirates slipping in the playoff standings isn't because Archer has pitched poorly. No, no, no. It's because the team's not playing well. They've still won 66% of his starts. Two out of three ain't bad, as Meatloaf said. You're going to tell me that he's the reason they're sliding? You're going to tell me that we got to reevaluate this trade based on three starts of performance? Jay Happ was the best pitcher in baseball when they acquired him in the second half of the season, and he was ass in his first start. I have said that we can't adequately determine whether or not this Pirates trade was a good one until what we see Archer does in the long haul. Archer's going to be around for the next three years, presumably. And if he helps the Pirates get to the playoffs a couple of times the next couple of years, well, he's done his job. And the Pirates made a good trade. I don't care that Tyler Glass now has struck out, what, 20 and in 12 innings or whatever it is. I don't care that he's given up three runs in 12 innings. I don't care about that. I don't care if Austin Meadows goes out and hits four home runs a night for the rest of the season. I don't know what kind of ball player he's going to be. I know that Tyler Glass now was not going to work out in Pittsburgh. The Pirates didn't need Austin Meadows because they've got Corey Dickerson. I still think it's a good move. And after three starts of Chris Archer not performing up to expectations, I'm not all of a sudden going to tear the trade down. On the station across the street, that's what they're talking about today. Do you rethink the Chris Archer move? Do you think that the Pirates made a mistake? After three starts, is there really that little to talk about? Do we have to create the content in that way, in that fashion? Can't we just say he's been a disappointment, but the Pirates still did what they needed to do? Let me rephrase a prior opinion that I said when this trade went down. I don't care if Chris Archer wins a damn start. He already has. But I don't care if Chris Archer wins a damn start. The Pirates front office showed me that they were going for it. The Pirates front office paid the going rate for the best starting pitcher on the trade market. And whether or not it winds up being successful, that's the move, baby. Go out there and get it. And they gave it their all. They also got Keone Kella a couple of days ago. A couple weeks ago, I don't know, it all blurs together because of training camp. They went out and got a Danny Echevarria. Even if those moves don't wind up being successful, even if those moves don't allow the Pirates to make the playoffs this year, those were still the right moves to make. Echevarria upgrades your 25th man on the roster, without a doubt. The diving catch he made yesterday, no other player in the roster makes from the shortstop position. Keone Kelly, yeah, didn't pitch well yesterday, but he is an answer in the eighth inning. And Chris Archer, he needs some work, but we saw the best out of him yesterday. And in his previous starts, he was rattled the first time because he had just gotten into town. And he was sick in his second start. 
Yesterday is the best start to evaluate him in, and it wasn't great. But there was a time where he was rolling through batters so much that John Wayner said on the TV broadcast, boy, it feels like this Pirates two-run lead's a lot bigger than that. <laughs> it can all change in the job of a hat, but he was rolling. He was closer to what we thought Chris Archer would be yesterday than he was in the first two starts. Maybe he's taking steps. Let's wait and find out before we say this was a bad move, before we have buyer's remorse after three damn starts, when you could have paid for 90. He's going to be around the next three years. Let's say he's got 35 starts the next two years. That's 70 starts. Tap the brakes. Take a deep breath. It was still the right thing to do. Bite me. Jalen Ramsey, in GQ magazine, ripped almost every quarterback in the National Football League. The only guys he didn't, Tyrod Taylor, as weird as that is, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. There were a couple of guys he said were decent. A couple of guys he said were good. He ripped Matt Ryan, said he was a system guy with Kyle Shanahan. And when the offensive coordinator left, was not the same player. These kind of things happen all across the league. Not just with the Steelers. Not just with Antonio Brown. And he's got to be ready to eat what will be coming for him if the Jags nosedive the way that I think that they can People keep saying, it's New England, it's Pittsburgh, and it's Jacksonville. I'm not so sure with Jacksonville. That defense is outstanding. So is the Ravens' defense. What makes me think they're not going to be the Ravens of this year? Where the defense is amazing, they're fine on special teams, and then on offense, they're so inept that they wind up being a bad football team. That's not out of the realm of possibility. Leonard Fournette's a beast. But he also put up the numbers he put up last year due to sheer volume, not necessarily due to big plays. He did big play the Steelers for 90 in the first game they played. But he was, I think, the culmination of just a bunch of carries. His statistics were. He's okay. That offense... Might take a huge step back. And if it does, Jalen Ramsey is going to get killed. And he deserves it. He's got to be willing to back it up. And even if he backs it up with his play and the offense don't work out, he's still going to get killed. And then I wonder if he's going to kill Blake Bortles. And by wonder if he's going to kill Blake Bortles, I mean he absolutely will kill Blake Bortles. You see hard knocks. Todd Haley is a flipping star. He's making fun of Carl Nassib. Who names their kid Carl? They look down in the bassinet and they're holding a baby. Gucci, Gucci, goo. They call him Carl. That being said, Todd Haley looks like a far better coach than Hugh Jackson. I would much rather have him running my football team than Hugh. Hugh doesn't look like he's got it. When both his coordinators are the ones who are trying to rile people up, he ain't got it. And it made me think, All y'all out there who criticize Mike Tomlin, look what you could have. All y'all out there who think Mike Tomlin's a cheerleader, Mike Tomlin's not a great coach, Mike Tomlin hasn't lived up to expectations, look at what the bleep they've got going on in Cleveland. Now, it is Cleveland, so it's the opposite extreme, right? But they're a total disaster. David Njoku drops like 15 balls during practice. So he makes him go to the jug machine to catch 30 balls. 
Antonio Brown catches 100 after every practice from a closer proximity with that jugs machine turned up to a billion. It's set to kill, not to stun. And he's out there catching balls off that thing. Because that's what it takes to be great. And Mike Tomlin lets him know that that's what it takes to be great. You think that if you fire Mike Tomlin, the grass will be greener on the other side. And Hard Knocks is here to show you, no it ain't. Now there are great coaches in this league, apart from Mike Tomlin, no doubt about it. But you're spinning a roulette wheel. You don't know if the guy that you hire and walks through the door is going to be great. It might be Ben Flippin' McAdoo. Sure, fire Mike Tom. You wind up with the Hugh Jacksons of the world. Nah, I'll pass. The other thing that doesn't happen at Steelers camp is something that we did see happen with the Brannies, and that's that Caldwell kid gets pulled over. He's got pot in his car. Callaway, whatever. doesn't matter. Cut him. doesn't matter. Journalistic integrity, don't care. Maybe I've been hitting the butt a little too much lately. Galloway? He gets pulled over and the cop says, do you have any weed in here? He said, no. The cop almost gave him help to get out of it. Like, is it yours or is your friend smoking in here? No, it's mine. What are you doing, Callaway Caldwell? That doesn't happen at Steelers camp because they're all in the dorms. They're all under the watchful eye of the Steelers coaching staff. Doesn't happen. You'll have the occasional Antonio Brown's driver parks in a handicapped spot at Dino's. What you don't have is that. That happens after training camp. Like when Le'Veon Bell's smoking a roach in the car with LeGarrette Blunt. These things happen later with the Steelers. They happen now with the Browns. So you can be critical about the Steelers organization and the talent that they've brought in and the lack of success relative to the talent that they have. But there's always the other side. There's always looking at what the other guys got. And what they got in as good as Mike Tomlin. Give me Mike Tomlin over every coach in the league not named Bill Belichick. 412-922-2874. Todd Haley, though. Total star. How do you not like that guy? He was a good offensive coordinator here. It was just his time. That's it. He was a good coordinator. Steelers' offense was really good in the second half of the season last year after Ben got his head out of his butt. When Ben started playing better, the offense was better. Plays didn't change. I can't wait for next Tuesday. It's a Todd Haley show. Matt Williamson joins us next. We're going to talk about what you should expect in tonight's preseason game number two. What should you want to see it's a Crowley show. He wouldn't shut up, so we gave him a talk show. Sometimes I'll start a sentence, and I don't even know where it's going. I just hope I find it along the way. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. The Notre Dame uniforms for the Shamrock series are a travesty. Check those out on Twitter.com. I'll put them out there, at underscore Adam Crowley. I'm an Irish guy, so I can say that. They are disgusting. Awful. They're baseball slash football uniforms. Is there going to be a designated hitter, or are they going to play by the AL rules? Steelers didn't have any designated hitters last year because they missed so many damn tackles. 
Joining me now to discuss the Steelers and tonight's preseason game number two is our buddy from the Steelers Radio Network and WilliamsonFootball.com. He is Matt Williamson. Matt, what's up, man? How you doing, brother? I'm good, dude. We'll be seeing a lot of each other tonight for the post-game show. Yes, sir. What are you most interested in talking about? What do you think we'll be talking about? What will the storyline be? Mason Rudolph playing a bunch of snaps? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the obvious one. That's the low-hanging fruit for your question, but I think it's very important, too, you know, that... Uh, you know, a, a highly, pro, you know, highly touted prospect, including you know, top, you know, third round type guy like him, not necessarily only first rounders. Yeah, I, I look at their first preseason game and ask, did he look like he belongs? Getting in and out of the huddle, you know, looking not overwhelmed. And I thought he passed those tests well. And you know, I give him a B basically. Now, you know, I think he's going to get an awful lot of snaps not only today, but the next three games. And then, poof, he vanishes. And I hope that he shows over the next three games that he that we all would feel very comfortable with him backing up Ben a year from now. And to all respect to Landry Jones, he leaves, he takes his big contract. You know, not big contract, but a couple million dollars out of here with him. And Landry's your two and showed it to us in his preseason, and that would be great. Or, I'm sorry, Rudolph's your two, and then... All that would be great. Do you evaluate him differently now behind uh, a big-time offensive line, a big-boy offensive line? I think there are different things to look for now than the last game. Yeah, and I bet Pouncey doesn't play. Maybe you know who's playing and who, who aren't. I do not. I'd be shocked if Pouncey plays, but at least you're going to get Finney's not out there, Ramon's not out there probably. Um, but still, it's against the ones. And this Packer defense is pretty good. I mean, I, I think it's got a chance to be one of the better defenses in the league. And I think that, you know, he'll get blitzed a lot. This is a heavy blitz group that he's playing against. A new coordinator, Mike Patton, takes over. Um, good defensive front. So I think he will be tested, and he'll have some better people around him. So I think that's a better, obviously a better way to analyze any prospect. You know, like if you go into a college and you watch three games, you try to watch their best competition. I'd like to see Rudolph away from James Washington. I don't want him looking for that security blanket. I want him to have to go through all his reads and make throws without him there. Now, if he were to come in in the regular season by some disaster going on with the Steelers, then you give him his whoopee. Then you give him his James Washington. But I kind of want to evaluate him without him a little bit. Yeah, maybe a mixture of both. If he plays the whole first half, give him half a snap with yeah. half without, something like that. Um, I would Obviously, AB's not going to play, but... Juju will. It would be nice to see him look that way and have a, a big-time receiver to throw to. And, and mix in maybe some of those younger guys, too. You know, the, the Tuckers of the world. Give them a shot with the, the early group. Is Dobbs just playing an audition for someone else? And if you're the Steelers, do you say, man, I hope this guy doesn't look that good to sneak him on the practice squad? What's the thought process there for you? Yeah, I mean, in the end, with all respect to him, he might be better off being an aerospace engineer than quarterback. <laughs> you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I would take being an aerospace engineer over a football analyst, perhaps. Um, and, but, you know, it, it would also be really nice that if Landry does move on, and the more I think about that, I don't know that that's 100% going to happen. You know, that they've always had the sounding board for Ben, and would Rudolph be that guy next year, or would you still want to bring Landry Jones back at a couple million bucks? And if that's still in the, if that's a possibility, and eventually he becomes Rudolph's backup, then who really cares about Dobbs? But if you do, if he does get a hangnail or sprains an ankle or whatever, and you stick him on into reserve for the year, 
that would be great to give him one more camp to show what he can do. And then you don't have to use another fifth-round pick on a quarterback. You could ask another safety or guard or something. But in the end, and I know this has been a big topic of conversation, I'm not sure Dobbs is good enough to matter one way or another how it all shakes out. Matt Williamson joining us here on the Crowley Show. Le'Veon Bell's making the roster. James Conner's making the team. Stephen Ridley, Fitztoussaint, Jalen Samuels, they're going to get their opportunity to show what they can do. And I think the Steelers are in a really good position with that position. I do, too. And Nix is going to make it. I know he's not quite a running back, but I'm not sure Samuels is quite a running back either. You know, I mean, I think he's a satellite back, a receiving back. I think he makes it in that role because he is such a niche player. And when Bell's not here, you're going to want that, that quality. And, you know, so I think he's in. And I think it comes down to Toussaint versus Ridley. And I know Toussaint's a very good special teams player. I honestly don't know about Ridley, but my hunch is he's the lesser of the two. But I also think Ridley's a much better ball carrier. You know, if Bell's out, I want to hand the ball to Ridley 10 times and 18 to Connor. Yeah, that makes sense to me, and I agree with all that. Uh, what about the outside linebacker position? Anthony Chicklow's making the team. We've talked about that. He's just a guy. That leaves Keon Adams, Farrington Huguenin, and Ola. What do you like about each of those individuals? Yeah, and that is interesting because considering they have, what, 93 guys at camp, they only have six outside linebackers in camp. So these guys are getting a ton of attention, not to mention Bud and Watt have missed so much time that those other four have been getting tons and tons of reps and will continue to. And in the end, I think all are promising. And I wouldn't shock me, including practice squad, that all six end up being, you know, on the Steelers yeah. roster this year. Um, the two smaller guys, I think, are very agile, quick, particularly left-right agility, changing directions, you know, looking like they're going to go inside on a rush and then you're using quickness to get around it on the outside. They play hard, but they're not quite as physical, where Huguenin, to me, is a lot more like Bud, that if they are going to play more 4-3 and put Bud's hand on the ground, maybe Huguenin would be the ideal backup for that. And, well, Chicolo, I guess, too. But the bigger-bodied, you know, big guy that is more of a straight-line athlete than those other ones. But I do think all three show promise, and it would be a shame to lose one of them. You did bring up Bud Dupree. He'll get his first playing time of the preseason tonight. He'll be on the opposite side of where he was last year. I don't know how much that affects things, uh, if at all, uh, but what are you looking for to see from him in his first action of the preseason? Yeah, I, I've been down on him, and there's a couple times throughout his career I have gotten excited about him, particularly last minicamp, a year ago from minicamp. I looked at him and said, wow, he looks really good. And when I've watched him in camp, he seemed to be a more refined pass rusher to me. I'm watching him on backs and backers, and he's – winning with inside moves as opposed to bull rush. So uh, I'm, I'm more interested, less interested in the results and more interested in what's his plan, what's his approach mm. as a pass rusher. I mean, I hope it's not just, you know, try to win with speed or bull rush. You know, like, let me see something else tonight. I wonder how much dollar defense we're going to see tonight. They did it almost exclusively or, or exclusively in the last two-minute drill of training camp. Um, I, I That's... Obviously, a different circumstance, but if there's a two-minute drill or if there's obvious passing downs, I'd like to see it tonight. I want to see it in a game before we see the real games. Yeah, I have no problem with that either. 
I'm very intrigued with it. I mean, you know me well enough by now that the more speed you can, and versatility you can get on the field, the better I think things are going to go for this defense in particular. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Do you know are any of those top seven defensive backs not dressing? Are you aware of like is Hayden going to play? I, I don't know those things yet. I think Hayden would be the guy who wouldn't. Yeah, I think everyone else is safe, and I'm not sure there's any injuries to hold them back this time around. Yeah. Interesting. I can't wait to see Terrell Edmonds uh, again tonight. Yeah. Uh, because going back and watching the last game, I did notice him more the second time around. But I think he's going to get a lot more playing time tonight with the uh, with the way things are set up right now. So I'm looking forward to, to what he brings in. I mean, the more I saw him at camp, the more I thought, you're going to have a hard time not having him on the field. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think he's your big play guy. Sure, he's going to make some mistakes. But if you structure the defense where... He can really just run and hit, and, and Shazier had some of that ability too, obviously, you know, where he didn't have to think too much. And not that he's a slow processor at all or not a bright guy. He absolutely is. He's just young. You know, but I think you try to keep it simple for him, run the ball, get the ball, attack and, and attack in kind of like a Palomalu fashion. And he does have some of those traits, like a Shazier or a Palomalu. So I know they're super excited about him. The more and more I watch him, the more excited I get too. Eli Rogers is going to start the season on IR by all indications. Does that mean Damon Patterson can make this team? Yeah. I think Patterson and Tucker both have a chance to make this team. Uh, Hunter, to me, is somewhat of a roster clogger. You know, that if he's not running fast on the sidelines, he doesn't get his jersey dirty. And I know he flashes and he is an NFL player, but with no special teams, no SWAT ability, I don't know that in the end you're a better football team keeping him. And Hayward Bay is sort of similar, but in that, you know, I'm not sure that he has a lot of value as a football player outside of special teams, but he does have value in that wide receiver room. He does, and I think that's important to an extent. I don't know if anybody's settling down Antonio Brown or Juju Smith-Schuster at this point, but it is nice to have that sounding board, much like Ben. Ben doesn't really need that guy, but it's nice to come to the sideline. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't hurt to have that guy, and if Eli Rogers isn't going to make this roster, I have no problem keeping him around. Um, it sounds like Cam Sutton's going to get a chance to return a punt or two tonight. Oh, it's about time. I, I haven't heard that, but I've been lobbying for a long time. He was in the conversation for best returner in the nation his final year or two at Tennessee, and people learned this and didn't kick to him anymore. So it's been making me a little crazy that he's not in contention for uh, number one other than A.B. punt returner job. Yeah, and I am okay with A.B. not doing it. In fact, I've lobbied for it in the past. Don't have A.B. out there. You don't want the 53rd man on somebody's roster or 46th man on somebody's roster taking him out. But at the same time, if you can't find somebody that can help swing the field the way that he can and be dynamic the way that he can, then, I mean, it is football. You guys are going to get hit anyhow, and he tends to protect himself. So, if you could find a guy who could do it, if Cam Sutton could do it, I'd let him do it. Yeah, and last I saw, that was, what, two years ago, he could do it, um, you know, a little over a year ago. And so I don't understand why that hasn't happened sooner, to be honest with you. So I hope he shines tonight. What else are you looking for tonight? I think we covered everything, but there might be something I missed. Uh, I put Vance the onus on you. Playing? What's that? Is Vance McDonald finally going to play football this year? I don't think so. I didn't think so either. Uh, that. He's he's been my breakout candidate for a while now, and I really want to see him in action. Those other two tight ends don't really move the needle for me. Um, hmm, uh, Matikavich not looking good. 
Yeah, but I think that's almost a constant now. <laughs> right. <laughs> Anytime they take the field. I think you're I think you're worried about Vance McDonald. I mean, he hasn't practiced at all. I know. And I know that, you know, now he knows the offense a thousand times better than last year when he got here very late. But I have high hopes for him. I mean, I, I think he's a field stretcher. I think he's the best blocker of the group. I think he's the most dynamic and clearly the best tight end on this roster who would exploit the sure single coverage he's going to see. You know, so uh, – and he hasn't been healthy since he's been here. You know, so – uh, I, I, I'm going to get a little frustrated. I don't know if I'm worried. I guess I'm more frustrated. I want to see him in action. Frustrated's a good word. Matt Williamson yeah. joining us here on the Crowley Show. I guess overall, I, I do want to see the run defense perform better than it did mm-hmm. the first time around. And you'd like to think that with Bud in there, that would help. I'd I'd be interested to find out if they look better today than they did against the Eagles. They were missing a lot of tackles. Tua was getting moved around up front. Hargrave was on skates. I'd like to see him be better there. They would. And I mentioned this on SNR after that game, that I'm not defending Hargrave at all, and I do think he's a little bit in the doghouse and played a lot of snaps on purpose because of that. But I also defend him a little bit, too, that a couple times against the Eagles, they would they would wham block him with a tight end in motion, hmm. and he'd get blasted. <laughs> but I bet he watched the zero Eagles film that week. You know what I mean? Right. Like, so, again, that's not defending him, but if you're watching their blocking schemes all week, you're a little more aware of those type of things and expect it as opposed to just running your defense. You know what I mean? So I am interested. I'm, I'm looking for a bounce-back game with him. And we even talked about this, and I even hate to mention it on the air, but I'm starting to get a little bit intrigued with McCullers. Oh, no. Oh, gross. I know. Gross. I mean, he got some first-team reps the other day in practice, though. I know, though. and he does things now. And I know I've fallen for this before. We all have. We all get a little <laughs> bit, you know, like he probably will do, have a good preseason, play a lot of snaps tonight, make a few plays, make the team, and play 15 snaps again next year. And then we'll all roll our eyes and say, I can't believe this guy got another year towards his NFL pension. But I think there's talent there. And with all respect to Coach Mitch, I mean, he was a great defensive line coach. It's a new D-line coach. Maybe they can get 10 snaps out of him out of game. I don't know. I'm just – my eyes are open to it where I used to just wash it away. I can't believe this guy is still on on team. Yeah, and one of the things that's intriguing about him is in today's league we're dropping back three steps, boom, ball comes out of the hand. You'd like to see those mitts up in the air. I mean, he's always been intriguing, and this is the best he's looked, is it not? I think so, you know, but I've probably said that before and regret saying it, but <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, there is ability there, and he's at a career crossroads with a new D-line coach, and if you use him just a bit and he can make a big play or two or just you know get his, his hands up in the A-gaps and force you know uh, the quarterback to double-clutch it or knock a pass down here and there, I mean, we've seen it, you know what I mean? And I think I've seen more of it this year than ever. For real, though, I mean, he's making the roster. There's no doubt about that. that I guess. Yeah. Seventh round, what's his face? Seventh round pick is, is kind of vanished. He's done nothing. Yeah. We talked about this on one of the SNR shows that everyone kept saying, well, he was behind these great future NFL players at Alabama. What, like he wasn't going to be behind future or current, pardon me, NFL players here in Pittsburgh? I mean, give me a break with that. Yeah, I know, but I didn't have a problem with it as a seventh round no, pick. No, oh, no, no, absolutely yeah, not. It wasn't like, boy, they reached there. They blew a pick. I mean, especially when you have his coach in the building who helped recruit him and all that. So, who knows? Matt, appreciate the time, man. See you tonight. Yeah, see you soon. All right, buddy. Bye-bye.
There he goes, Matt Williamson, WilliamsonFootball.com, Steelers Radio Network, and Steelers Nation Radio. We got the post game. It really is preseason. I mean, it is, obviously. It's the second preseason game, but the big boys, Batch, Saverin, not doing them. And then when the regular season rolls around, guess who's doing it? Guess who's getting the paycheck? Not me and Williamson. I'll be on the practice squad. When Stan needs an early bedtime, they'll call me up. That's how it'll go down. Coming up next, what to look for tonight in the preseason game. More than just what Williamson had to say. And got some breaking news on the Pirates. That's right. It's Crowley Show. The Adam Crowley Show. What is that? It's... There's some still. Oh, there's some still stuck to my mouth. Get rid of it. I can't. It's awful. Okay. Uh, sweet. Uh, I heard a little bit of Harry Carey. Uh, uh, Adam Crowley uh, on ESPN Pittsburgh. We interrupt our regularly scheduled program for this breaking news update on ESPN Pittsburgh. The Pirates have called up their 2015 first-round pick, Kevin Newman. Hello, Newman. In the minors, he had 288. This year in AAA Indianapolis, 302. Not much to add. I haven't seen the guy play. Most of you haven't. Unless you've gone to Indianapolis to watch the Indians, you haven't seen him. Unless you were in Altoona, at which point you were probably drunk and you don't remember seeing him. Because why would you want to go to Altoona if you weren't drunk? 412-922-2874 is the number. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Is it a little nerdy for me to be this excited for the potential Seinfeld infield? Like, a Newman-Kramer connection at second and short for the next five years gets me a little itchy in the pants, man. And I think that that's the connection that you would want it to be. It's better than Seinfeld Bennis. Like Newman Kramer, those two guys together, I mean, they're up to some hijinks, Tom. I mean, the t shirts print themselves, right? They do. Ooh, we got to get on that. We got to do some bits. We got to find a way to make this fun. We should have, like, Kevin Kramer slide into the clubhouse like he's Kramer. It's like, whoa! Like, and then have annoying, yeah, annoying clap, clap, track. laugh track. <laughs> I'm in for that. I'm in for that big time. What I'm not in for is the Pirates being damned if they do and damned if they don't. For years, the refrain from Buckos fans has been spend nothing, win nothing. Nutting and nutting, I suppose. Do something meaningful at the deadline. Do it. Do it. Do something meaningful at the deadline. The Pirates actually did this year when they acquired Chris Archer and Keone Kellup. Unfortunately, since the acquisitions, the team has slipped in the playoff race, and, well, that and the player to be named later is 2017 first-round pick Shane Baz. That's caused some Pirates baseball fans to have buyer's remorse. Pirates fans are so used to the general manager hoarding prospects, they pour out their beers anytime one of them's moved. Spoiler alert, you can't have it both ways. If you overvalue prospects and still bitch and moan when the Pirates don't reel in the big fish at the deadline, you're a hypocrite. That's like tantamount to having one of those coexist bumper stickers and still flipping off everyone out in traffic. Peace and love, yo. It's like the person that says they're trying to lose weight and they order two dozen chicken wings at a bar with extra ranch, but then get the salad with the light Italian dressing. Can't forget the Diet Coke, Matt Williamson. If you're a hippie, be a hippie. 
If you want to shed some poundage, then eat clean and exercise. If you want the Pirates to go all in, then you sure as bleep better be okay with them giving up prospects. Tyler Glass now might work out in Tampa, but he was never going to work out in Pittsburgh. Austin Meadows may be a very good Major League Baseball player one day, but Corey Dickerson's a good baseball player now. Yeah, the Pirates have slipped in the playoff race, but Neil Huntington gave the team a better chance to compete this year. Plus, Archer and Kella are under team control for the foreseeable future. The Buckos made themselves relevant for what feels like the first time since the Gulf War. They went for it, finally. No use crying over traded prospects. We got John Ledger coming up at 520 to talk about tonight's Steelers preseason game. Here's what I want you watching for tonight. Preseason game number one's intriguing because it's been so long since there was live football that you kind of got the blue balls. Preseason game number three is the dress rehearsal. It's the practice run. Game two, it ain't so bad. Here's what I want to watch for tonight. How's Mason Rudolph look when he gets his first NFL start? I know it's preseason, but it's a start. He's going to go out on the field and warm up. He's going to run out of the tunnel. It's in Lambeau Field, the frozen tundra Green Bay. So it's going to be a little alarming for him, I think. How's he handle that? How's he handle the crowd? Because there will be a big one there. He'll be playing behind legit NFL offensive linemen, and he should have more time to go through his progressions than last week against Philadelphia. I think you have to evaluate him differently in this game. The last game, he's moving well in the pocket, and you think, okay, he moves well in the pocket. This is great. You can't really see much else, though, because the offensive line in front of him was ass. Well, now it won't be. And even though it won't be most of the Steelers' starters, they're still better players than the ones he was playing with last week. One thing you do want to see, has his ball security improved at all? Because in camp, it's bad. Game number one, bad. Has he improved? I don't want to see him play the whole time with James Washington. I say it all the time, but in college, I brought my blankie. I brought my pill pill. My pillow and blank that I grew up with. And when you're having a bad day, instead of going to beer first semester, I'm rubbing down my pill pill. Sounds dirty. I've got my blankie there. Okay, that's even worse. But then your security blanket. Your whoopee. Your teddy bear. James Washington is that for Mason Rudolph. Instead of going through his progressions, when he gets under pressure, he finds his guy. He throws the ball to his dude. I don't want to see him play with him the whole time. Maybe a little bit, maybe half the time. I don't want to see him play the whole first half with him. As I mentioned, his footwork in the pocket's already NFL ready. That was on full display last week. The other thing I'm looking for, Le'Veon Bell and James Conner, they're making this team. So who else can distinguish themselves? Steven Ridley's a good player, a good ball carrier. I bet you that teams around the National Football League are hoping the Steelers put him on the chopping block because he's a good runner and he's a good third down back. Special teams are a necessary evil for him. Is he willing and able to do that? Fitz Toussaint is willing, but he's not able. I like what he provides as a runner, but his kick return work last year was, well, terrible. Jalen Samuels can run. He can catch. Can he block? Can he play special teams? Matt Williamson said in the last segment that you want Jalen Samuels to make the team because... He does a lot of the things Le'Veon Bell does. Catches the football. 
can be used as a weapon. You can split him out wide. He's not necessarily a running back, and for those reasons, he thinks he'll make the roster. I'm not so sure just yet. If he has a good showing tonight, that might help sway the Steelers' opinion because he did not play well in the first preseason game. It wasn't his fault, though. He's playing behind you and me on the offensive line. All right, I'm not big enough. He was playing behind Williamson and Lolly. All right, that's not a nice shot for Lolly. He was playing behind five Williamsons. Who's the fourth outside linebacker? You know Chick's the third guy, which makes me vomit in my mouth. He's a good special teams player, but that's the only reason he's on the roster. He's making the team. That leaves Keon Adams, Farrington Huguenin, and Ola Adainini. Adainini. Ola. Ola and Keon are smaller guys than Huguenin. Huguenin looks like Bud Dupree. Do you want another Bud Dupree? Or do you want someone more athletic? It depends on how the Steelers are going to play. If they're going to put a fourth guy with his hand in the dirt out there on the field, then you want another Farrington Huguenin. You want another Bud Dupree. If you're going to have them drop back into coverage as kind of 4-3 outside linebackers, weak side guys maybe, then you're going to want a Keon Adams or an Ola. The scheme will tell you what they're going to do. The scheme will tell you who's going to fit. But both those guys look really good, and Farrington Huguenin, I think, has been okay, but the size alone makes you say, mm, he might be able to be something. Let's see who takes that step tonight. Fourth thing, how much dollar defense are we going to see? Steelers defense played exclusively in the dollar in the last two-minute drill of camp. Keith Butler then said that the defense will be used based on down and distance, duh, and the given opponent. But I want to see it in the preseason before I see it in the regular season. Saw it enough at camp. I want to see it on my TV screen, damn it! And the last thing, the most important thing to look for tonight, will the Steelers cheat? Because last week, dirty cheater Mason Rudolph sneaked a deflated football into the game. Without the diligence and the bravery of Howard Eskin, he would have gotten away with it. If it weren't for you and that dog, Scooby-Doo, will he try such a ruse again? We shall find out. Coming up next, I've got a couple more things I'm looking for tonight that I didn't get to there time restraints and all and the fake news movement comes to sports yes that's right it's a Crowley show